We're doing good. (laughs) You're listening to the Bounce Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Leach, author, speaker, and coach. And this is the show that motivates us to get out and move by diving into the deep end with athletes and adventurers, sharing inspiring stories of endurance and perseverance. Listen in as I sit down with bold and daring humans, pushing the limits of what their mind and body can achieve, inspiring you, the listener, to bounce forward with resilience and fortitude. Don't call to come back because they never went anywhere. To On bounce to the next. forward. <laughs> On to the next. To bounce yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. To bounce forward. Yeah. Well, let's give that another run. Hello, friends and fam. In the words of the great Dave Niehaus, who I grew up with, grew up listening to in Seattle, my, oh my. Uh, this is take two. I flowed through the first 30-minute rendition of this one without the mic plugged in. Uh, so we're going to give it another run. Uh, greetings from Yellowstone country. Friends, happy Christmas. Happy New Year. I hope this finds you all well and wrapped up in the love of your nearest and dearest. Enjoying a cozy and cuddly holiday season, perhaps with some zone two endurance work and a few spicy maximal effort sessions on the counter to keep things fun and engaging. Or perhaps this is just a recovery week for you. With no big name uh, guest on the on tap for today, I don't have delusions of grandeur that we'll have a highly rated show as far as listens go. But since I'm dealing with an injury myself at the moment that has me out of the water, off the bike, out of the weight room, that's going a little stir crazy, I feel like uh, this could be uh, an opportunity to under, undertake a a bounce forward project. You know, there's n- never a good time to be injured. Uh, but holiday season is certainly no exception. Amanda, my wife, hooks it up in the kitchen all year round, but her holiday treats and meals are next level. So I typically charge pretty hard in the water, on the bike, in the weight room this time of year so I can work up the biggest appetite possible that allows me to just keep eating her tasty delights. Uh, But so goes it. I'm still going to keep eating. Uh, First things first, I wanted to share a few podcast updates. Uh, We came out with some new cover art for this show this summer, uh, which was well-received, especially by my mom, who loved it. And I hope you all enjoyed your first listen of the new intro, uh, which you would have heard at the start of this show. We just completed it this week. We kept the beat and the tune. And of course, we kept that lovely and purposeful intro and outro with our good friend of the show, Gwendolyn Gibson. But we really wanted to tighten things up, which we did by 25 seconds. Uh, We're continuing to streamline and refine our product and our process while becoming more efficient. And with this new intro, we jump right into things so we can give you more content out of the gate and still provide a short description for new listeners to the show. And it's hard to believe that it was this time last year that Gwendolyn and I were scheming and dreaming about launching the Bounce Forward podcast uh, and her two-part episode. We had some early challenges that we navigated, both technical difficulties um, and some stuff that forced us to postpone her show. Uh, So we had to certainly be adaptable, uh, which we turned into some big listens and an opportunity to come out swinging when we recorded a special segment uh, statement piece in episode one of Gwendolyn Gibson Rising. Uh, We learned at the Breck Epic when I connected with Mike McCormick on numerous numerous occasions uh, that the fan noise that we couldn't get rid of in the editing side of things that appeared to be coming from Mike McCormick's uh, side of the episode 
actually was indeed a fan noise that he had left on. And we certainly had some ups and downs as far as consistency this first year, especially in the latter part of the year as I navigated some challenging times and some heavy loss. But we're still here. We're fighting, we're creating, and we're bouncing forward in 2024. I'm really excited about some of the people and conversations and interviews we'll be bringing to you this next year as uh, we've been working hard to try and secure some sponsorship support since we're uh, currently a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, And uh, that was some serious alliteration there, securing some sponsorship support since we're the one-man wrecking crew. But just keep Uh, We just want to keep this thing going. Uh, We want to try to make this more sustainable. With that said, if any of you have any editing skills or you want to apply for the job or take on the internship, please don't hesitate to hit me up at michael at beaudacious.com. Today's episode is going to be a little recap uh, of season one. We're just wrapping up season one. It's a little preview of season two. Uh, And it's an introduction to some material that we're going to be adding in 2024 that we hope will add value, make you think while inspiring and elevating your game in and out of the water, on and off the bike, whatever uh, form uh, of of movement uh, that that you tend to utilize. Uh, We're going to consider these coaching segments, just offer some insight. Uh, These might come at the end of some conversations or they might be standalone episodes like this one. Uh, It's been a pretty rough couple months for us here in Bozeman. As most of you know, we suddenly and unexpectedly lost my dear and beloved mom in October on my birthday, October 4th. Uh, Navigating that loss has certainly had us treading water some days, uh, riding a lot of waves on others. Uh, I did a tribute episode, uh, Love Mama, uh, that if you haven't listened to, uh, that one's pretty special to me, near and dear. It doesn't even begin to do her justice, but it was a therapeutic process to produce. I've been reflecting a lot these last couple months on loss. Uh, You know, loss, much like pain, is relative. It's a matter of perspective. Um, I've been focusing on loss, gratitude, health, Um, friendship, certainly family. Uh, This time has provided an opportunity for for me to really practice patience, uh, giving grace and benefit of the doubt both to myself and others, and certainly put the breadth and depth of my mental skills and mindset coaching toolkit to the test uh, for myself personally and my family. Thankfully for us, we've had a super mild November and December thus far, uh, which has meant a lot of big, long rides in October, Uh, while getting uh, back into the groove of things and rediscovering my feel for the water after my annual short September sabbatical from the pool that I take each year. I've been hitting it hard in the weight room since autumn solstice. Uh, But as is often the case, at the end of a season when we've been running and gunning and navigating the madness and mayhem of Montana summers, going hard and dealing with stress, uh, I got really sick in November following a, a bus trip to the Flathead. We were heading up there for a semifinal football game uh, with the Gallatin High football team, who I've worked with all season as their in-house mental performance and mindset coach. There was a lot of sickness and coughing on the bus, and you know I continued to hit it hard on the bike following our red-eye trip home. And I can vividly remember the sub-threshold re- repeat efforts. Uh, I was doing five days after that trip. I, I, was, I was still fatigued. I assumed it was just from from that overnight 
red eye bus trip where I didn't sleep. I was feeling pretty terrible and pushing on anyways, needing the mental reprieve. And then that night it struck. Uh, I continued to train off and on every other day for five or six days. Again, simply because I felt like I needed it me- mentally. I wasn't going hard or anything, but the, the wheels came off completely. I spent two weeks on the couch, unable to do anything but go for walks and, and coach a little high school basketball. Um, once back and ready to train, uh, we were in full gas, no breaks mode with the Galton High basketball team gearing up for our first games and another big trip to Kalispell for the Flathead Invitational. So I eased my way back into the water weight room and on the bike. And then this past week during a, a heavy lift, heavy is, is relative, uh, I was feeling really good, increasing the weight incrementally, um, adding some, some additional time under tension. And I left the gym feeling strong and stoked for my, my weekly workouts, my holiday sessions, uh, knowing we had the week off of basketball practice. And uh, I got hit with a strain of sorts in my rib area. Um, this, you know, it seems like it's often how it plays out, especially as we get a little more mature in, in the age department as an athlete. We get sick from going hard all season, and then we try to try to come back. Uh, and those first couple of weeks, I think, really represent a precarious time for for injury. So it really behooves us, I believe, to be hyper aware during that window. Um, for those of us, for those of you, I would say, for, for those of you who are regular listeners or, or for those of you who um, have worked with me uh, in, in the coaching realm, if I've worked with you consistently, you'll know I'm a big believer in repetition. Uh, this is the only way I believe we, we really learn and truly ingrain ideas and concepts. And I know you've all heard this from me before. Uh, I wrote it in the Be Audacious book, and I use it often that I'm the guru of go, and when I can't go, I get low, meaning when I can't train, I get low. Uh, I, I fight depression. Uh, all of the longer or, or deeper bouts of depression I've fought in my life have aligned with an injury of sorts. And as I've matured and navigated more injuries, I, I've, I've really embraced my mantra of adapt, adjust, reload. I'm a big mantra guy, and I got a lot of them. And being a spondy warrior or a spondy athlete, uh, someone thriving with ankylosing spondylitis, uh, and, and just being someone who's in the past has had a real propensity to go long and hard, too long and too hard, more often than not. I, I've fought a lot of injuries over the years, primarily in the form of overuse injuries and tendinopathies. And thus, I've become pretty adept at adapting. Uh, if I'm dealing with a wrist injury and can't swim or lift, it's going to mean a lot of time on the trainer. Uh, if I'm dealing with an Achilles tendinopathy, it, it's, it's going to mean a lot of time in the weight room. Uh, and pool, using my good friend, the pole buoy. Uh, speaking of, of the pole buoy and injuries, there was a time in 2012, 2013, where I spent 18 of 24 months either in a walking boot cast or on crutches. And this was before I found my dream team of physios here in Bozeman, uh, when doctors and PTs you know, didn't really know what to do with me as they simply didn't have experience with an athlete who also had ankylosing spondylitis. And whenever my Achilles would flare, they'd just stick me in the boot. I have five left-footed boots uh, for that Achilles. And during that time, you know, I, I'd, I'd do a lot of flat rides or spin on the trainer uh, when, they'd, when they'd let me rock in the boot. Uh, my lifts were highly adapted with, with a lot of band work as much of this time was spent living in, in Kauai. Uh, and, and my main focus from a training standpoint was my daily swims. And during that time, I almost exclusively used the pole buoy. And so I, I still have a, a, a lot of love for that, that friend. Uh, but when you're dealing with an intercostal strain like I am, 
gym this week, an intercostal muscle strain, uh, it pretty much shuts you down. Uh, on a positive note, I ended up in the ER Tuesday night after our game uh, because I have to be really careful about blood clots. And with my history of pulmonary embolisms, anything that presents like a PE, I've, I've just got to be really smart, really alert. Um, pain is how our body talks to us. And I'd argue that it would behoove us to listen to our body. And when you've got a clotting disorder and a history of DVTs and PEs, you really can't mess around. So I made a trip to the ER Tuesday night, and the doc immediately ordered a CAT scan uh, after doing a D-dimer. Uh, D-dimer is, is a test. Um, when, when, when you have a, when a you have a positive D dimer level in your, your, in your body, in your blood. When it's higher than normal, it's suggesting you might have a blood clot or, or clotting problems. Where do you know I have clotting problems? And so I pushed back a little bit just because of the cost. I've had over 20 MRIs and CAT scans over the years, and they're not cheap. But with my clotting disorder, my history of PEs, and the pain I was presenting, the doctor felt like it was a no-brainer. So we went with it. Uh, the good news is that I got discharged at 1.30 a.m., uh, clot-free, which was huge. The bad news is that I've got this intercostal muscle strain that could be a three- to seven-week process, uh, though I'm going to do everything I can to speed that up. Now, for those of you who have been with us since the beginning, if you remember or you go back and listen to episode zero when where I introduced the Bounce Forward podcast, you know that I came up with this the premise for this show on a long long dirt ride, uh, long gravel ride after getting hit hard with COVID in August of 2022 uh, and dealing with some frustrating fallout. You know, people over the years, I, I think, have always meant well in telling me that you'll bounce back stronger than ever. And it was on that ride where I, I was talking to myself, as I often do. I was doing a mock talk or perhaps marinating on a book or article or blog idea or something for an upcoming presentation or coaching session when it really hit me that I don't want to bounce back. You know, I, I just want to bounce forward. I want to bounce forward as my strongest and truest self. And so uh, talk about a bounce forward story. Uh, it was 10 years ago today, uh, 10 years ago today, Christmas of 2013, my first Christmas as a single dad that I went to the hospital uh, for a pretty epic saga. I was six weeks post-op from a hip surgery uh, that, that, you know, we, we went down to the University of Utah for to repair a torn labrum. Uh, I was back on the sidelines eight days later, um, coaching from crutches and a wheelchair, and I had some setbacks with my recovery because of this. I was still operating from crutches six weeks later, and I had just been cleared earlier that week to start lifting. And on our way home uh, from a game on a bus trip, I had this strange pain, and it was eerily similar to what I was feeling this week with the muscle strain. And this pain just got progressively worse over the the, the, the next couple days. Uh, by Christmas Eve of 2013, it was actually Christmas Eve Eve. This would be uh, my Christmas Eve with my daughter. Again, my first Christmas as a single dad, so we had split custody at the time. And I was experiencing this piercing pain in my rib area. And by the time I put Kamaya down, I, I was struggling to breathe. I mean, I was just... <sighs> I mean, I could hardly catch a breath. It was so painful. I, I toughed through one of the worst and most painful nights of my life so I could play Santa uh, and spend Christmas morning with Kamaya. And the minute she finished opening her presents, my dad drove me to Bozeman Deaconess Hospital. I remember that time so vividly. I, I was presented, I presented to the doctor that I had a strained muscle from lifting. I assumed it was from pull-ups. And I think because of the way I was breathing, he, he immediately sent me in for a CAT scan. 
when the doctor came into the room with my with the results, he looked at me with wide in his eyes and he said, you've got bilateral pulmonary embolisms and an infarct. I didn't know what either uh, of those diagnoses meant at the time. So I asked him to help me understand. And he said, you've got blood clots in both lungs and a part of your right lung is dying. I remember the part that scared me most was his face and it was the white in his eyes. And I asked him, I remember I said, I'm a single dad. I'm going to get out of here. Right. And he just looked at me and said, Michael, we'll do everything we can for you. Uh, and then he went on to tell me how, just how serious uh, this condition was. Um, I, I think if I remember right, something like 40% of people who have pulmonary embolisms uh, pass within 24 hours. And I, I had them in both lungs. And that was the beginning of, of what we call my brush with eternity, my Christmas saga. Uh, they, they called me the Christmas miracle at, uh, at Bozeman Deaconess. Later that day, after an ultrasound, they found a massive deep vein thrombosis, a DVT, and they had to perform an emergency procedure that evening. Uh, this was December 24th to put a filter in place to try and keep the clot from going to my heart or my brain, which would mean game over. Um, it was a big, loose clot. And I remember they told my mom and dad that I had a 50-50 shot of seeing Christmas Day. And for the next week, I just drifted in and out of consciousness. Um, the infarct, the part of my lung that was dying, was excruciating. Uh, I could hardly breathe. If I had to cough or hiccup, uh, man, it, it was a pain like I'd never experienced. I ac actually ended up dating one of the nurses briefly who took care of me during that week. And I remember her telling me about a female nurse that she knew who had had an infarct and said she'd rather give birth 24 times in 24 days than experience that again, it, just to kind of put that pain in perspective. Uh, by day four, I was throwing up blood. I was coughing up clots. Uh, it, it was, it was a spooky experience. And on day five, they, they rushed me in for another CAT scan, uh, thinking I had a brain bleed. Uh, on day five, I could hardly talk or open my eyes. And I just remember using my hands to ask my mom to bring Kamaya in so I could hold her hand and, um, and say goodbye, uh, just in case. And that, that day I said to my mom, I remember just quietly whispering, I'm scared. And I remember her saying, we are too. And uh, my room had been full of players and friends and people. And that day they weren't letting anybody in. And so I knew it was pretty serious. Um, I could go on about what the next three months were like, but it was a scary time, an uncertain time. We were certainly in ODAT mode, one day at a time mode. And I slowly made progress in my attempt to bounce forward. Uh, I was able to come out of that. I, I had another book contract. I wrote a 90,000 word book in six months. I was bound and determined to get Be Audacious written. And while I was in the hospital for that Christmas saga, I, I was diagnosed with a crazy rare clotting disorder. My blood specialist at the University of Utah thinks I'm likely one of less than 70 something people in all of the Northern Rockies and Pacific Northwest with this condition. And it makes me something like 40 to 100 times more likely to clot each year. I was told I'd be on blood thinners for life. Uh, I remember that doctor said, you know, the, these clots go where they've been before, the path of least resistance. And, um, you know, I think he said, 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 said something, shared something with me uh, akin to when I told him I did not want to be on blood thinners. He said, man, it, it's not a matter of uh, when, if, but when you'd have another one of these clots. And um, statistically speaking, that wouldn't be good. And so uh, being told I'd be on blood thinners for life, I was also told I needed to give up the bike, skiing, climbing, anything that would lead or could lead to me hitting my head. 
So I gave up road riding after some near misses. After that, I gave up skiing and climbing. But as you all know, I continue to push myself on the bike. Um, you know, it, t- it took a couple of seasons for me to regain my confidence on the mountain bike. You know, I made some big changes in my style and approach, uh, especially on the downhills. And after 15 years of riding clips, I transitioned to flats. Uh, that certainly helped. You know, you can just bail out a little, little easier. And now when I enter races, I race my ass off on the climbs and some of the flowy stuff. But when it comes to the downhills, especially the, the chair, the scary chunky stuff at races like the Breck Epic coming off of French pass or Georgia pass or technical races like the BC bike race, I, I have to get out of race mode. I, I race the climbs and I ride the descents, uh, not worrying about how many people catch me or pass me. Um, letting people go, just picking my way through, riding skillfully, but lightly and cautiously. Um, at the Breck Epic in August, after a real good day, I had a good stage one. I was sitting with Peter Mueller, who I'd finished just behind. He was a, he's a South African who won the 60-year-old division and is just a flat-out stud. He'd been training a lot. He put in a lot of time. He was putting in 15-hour weeks, and he asked me, Michael, you're such, he said, Michael, you're such a strong climber. He said, uh, why is it that you ride so carefully on the downhills? And well, there it is, Peter. Uh, there's, there's your answer. Um, you know, this is a condition that's really forced me to work on my mindset uh, because at races like the Breck Epic, uh, the downhills are so critical for your overall time that you can't just make up the time on the climbs, uh, no matter how much you bury yourself or, or try and rip the legs off others. Uh, if there's a 20-minute 20, 20 descent where other riders are taking chances and just ripping it, you just can't make that up on a climb. So for me, uh, I've been, it's felt like I've been in constant chase mode at races, trying to reel people in on the climbs and, uh, and then I lose them and then I, I reel them back in. And it's only been recently that I've come to the conclusion that the chase, while, while fun at times, isn't entirely necessary. Uh, I've really um, not been able to get too focused on results, but rather to really dial in my process, my pace, uh, my race, while keeping it all in perspective. Uh, So I I am grateful to be out there. I'm grateful to be lining up and participating in these events. Man, we had such a great year. We got back to Kona in June for the first time since 2019, for the first time since COVID. Uh, Kamai and I uh, had some great swims at Digby Beach every morning, uh, going and swimming to the King's Buoy. We got to participate in the Hapuna Rough Water, had a good dead Swede. Uh, the, the, the last best ride had a great ride at the last best ride. The day before was the long bridge swim where I had a personal best by a lot and got to watch my daughter take, I think 31st out of nearly 700 swimmers. And I think she took a uh, seventh out of nearly 200, 200 females. And so, um, awfully grateful for all those experiences, the Breck Epic, uh, certainly the, the, the highlight trip of our year that and getting back to Kona. Uh, but I, I'm very competitive and I love to compete. And, and if you come watch me on the, the sidelines, coaching up and loving on my boys and my girls that I coach, you'll see that. Um, and I'm not at these events to just ride. I don't, I don't, as much as I love to train, I don't put in um, all the structured work uh, just, just to ride. I'm there to race. Uh, but for me, racing looks a little differently and, and I can't get caught up in comparisons, which is something I work with a lot uh, when it comes to my athletes. So it's good for me to take my own medicine. And, uh, you know, I, I imagine some of you are asking, what's the point of this episode? You know, is there anything to walk away with? And I sure hope there is. Uh, it's always my goal when recording a podcast or posting a blog or something on, on IG to add value 
to make a contribution to the cause, to, to do some storytelling. So I'm very much a storyteller uh, to share something that's hopefully inspiring and uplifting while making people think. And uh, I think like any good coach in any discipline, I'm always reading, listening, studying, trying to add more tools to my mindset and performance coaching quiver, just as I'm learning and adding to my cycling or basketball coaching toolkit. I'm currently reading another book by Brad Stolberg, who I'm a fan of. This one's titled Master of Change. He's the author of uh, The Practice of Groundedness, which is a book I talk about in, I think, several episodes. And, and, and he shares a phrase that I've introduced to many of my athletes called rugged flexibility. Uh, now, I think for many of us who train, we do so for a number of reasons. It's multi-layered. I've been training daily since I was a kid. Uh, my, my first counselor in college... Uh, told me that she felt like I medicated myself with exercise. It's the best medicine I know. It's certainly the best antidepressant I know. And like many of you, for me, being an athlete and training regularly, it's, it's a big part of my identity. And perhaps, let me think about this, perhaps it would be better put if I said uh, it's something I identify strongly with. Um, I'm working on loosening the grip on that identity piece, you know, uh, using some of the same tools that I utilize with my athletes when trying to help them loosen the grip on their results as far as how much they let those results impact their sense of self. I'm trying not to, to necessarily let my daily training or, or lack thereof if I'm dealing with an injury uh, impact my, 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 my sense of self so much. But it goes a lot deeper. You know, when you train every day, often two times a day, uh, which is the case for me and for many of you, this fills a lot of time and space, you know. And, and for me, it's something I really look forward to each day. It's something I go to bed thinking about when I'm doing my breathing exercises to try and get a good night's sleep. It's something I think about, um, very much something I look forward to. And uh, and sometimes you lose that 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 space, those two-a-days, it, it can be a void. I love my swims. I love my lifts. I've been a gym rat since I can remember. I remember in Coeur d'Alene in Seattle, uh, growing up, my uh, my dad's two best friends, one owned, they, or they owned the Iron Man, Ironwood in Coeur d'Alene and, and uh, Harbor Square and, and Edmonds, and we'd go in there on holidays, and uh, man, those those were just, when the, when the gym was closed, having the whole place to yourself, uh, man, I think that's what inspired the gym rat in me, and you know, while I don't necessarily love getting on the trainer, there are days I, I thrive on the trainer. I find it to be somewhat of a refuge in the winter. And, and there's, you know, few things that bring me more joy from a movement standpoint than jumping on my, my full suspension or drop bar mountain bike and, and riding dirt. And so when you're in the midst of times like this, times that are easy to get hijacked by frustration and fear, uh, feeling depressed, discouraged, deflated, um, by injury, illness, or setback, it really requires us, I think, first to be self-aware and second to do some seriously heavy lifting, metaphorically. Uh, as a mindset coach with a lot of experience with injuries, illness, and setback myself, this is certainly one of my niche areas when working with athletes, is helping them to tread water long enough to keep moving forward, celebrating those marginal gains as you heal to the point of seeing that bounce forward light at the end of the tunnel. I often remind athletes that set bar, setbacks are, are very much a part of the progress. Um, setbacks are a part of the progress. Think about it. The entire process of getting stronger and faster starts with breaking our bodies down by stressing our bodies through a lift or cardiovascular effort. And it's only during the rest and recovery period 
the time we sleep and recharge and refuel where those physiological adaptations take place that allow us to get bigger, faster, and stronger, if that's our goal. And as hard as it is to be on the sidelines, uh, to be unable to train, unable to go, in part because we're so accustomed to those daily endorphins that come with movement and exercise, you know, we can still work on our game. And, and I do want to note this, for, for any of you dealing with injuries, um, perhaps you're dealing with some depression from the injury, this is so normal. Uh, the chemicals we produce by regularly training, um, not having those would be like taking someone who drinks three or four cups of coffee a day uh, off that black juice, cold turkey, you know, and, and if you're unable to adapt for whatever re reason, if that injury doesn't allow you to go get in the pool or do something else, uh, just, just be aware, you know, you're, you're not losing your mind. We're not losing our mind. We're just dealing with some really hard stuff. And I think for too long, the mental side of being an athlete has either been ignored or it's been an afterthought. Um, and I certainly believe this about being an injured athlete, where you often, especially in a team sport, feel very isolated, um, feel almost like the invisible man or woman. And I think if we can see these challenging times as an opportunity to work on our mental game and to get stronger, these setbacks can serve as a period that, that strengthens our game uh, more, more than we truly could ever quantify with, with watts or with our squat or our bench press or, or speed work or you know, our, our, our hundred time in, in a certain set in the pool. Like if we can learn to accept these times for what they are, difficult, frustrating, discouraging, but times that will pass, if we can just keep that in perspective, it will pass most likely. And perhaps go even further by practicing some radical acceptance where we look at these injuries and setbacks as opportunities to work on other parts of our game, like our sleep habits, uh, our breath work, our recovery modalities, our, our nutrition, or just reading more good books, listening to more insightful podcasts, music, or best of all, just spending more quality time with family and friends even if we're not the best version of ourselves, I think we can learn to navigate these frustrating injuries and setbacks with grace and grit and get to the other side better and stronger for it. Uh, my daughter and I uh, built gingerbread houses today. Uh, we've been listening to Maoli music overload uh, part one and part two all day, probably five or six hours of Maoli, uh, one of our, our favorite artists. Uh, well, I've been making my somewhat famous uh, Paniolo uh, Hawaiian chili and gluten-free cornbread, turkey Hawaiian chili. Um, and, and this, to me, is really what it looks like to bounce forward. Uh, it's not going to be pretty every day. Uh, it's not going to be a linear progression all the time. You know, we'll, we'll have bad times during the recovery. But I think the key is to not let bad times turn into bad days, uh, consecutive bad days, but, but ideally tough windows. Uh, and I think we can, we can navigate this by asking ourselves, how do we chart our way through these turbulent waters in a way that aligns with our core values, with our sense of self, uh, so that we can keep working on becoming our strongest and truest selves in a way by doing this, I think we can give some purpose and meaning to the struggle, to the suffering, um, to the loss, because whether it's the loss of a loved one or the loss of a season, like injuries do represent loss. I, I just think when we can keep it in perspective that it's not, you know, most injuries aren't going to be uh, hopefully long term or, or, or aren't going to be something we, we, we can't um, navigate and, and, and overcome. And I don't think, you know, we achieve this 
by being Pollyanna or embracing toxic positivity, but rather by embracing Viktor Frankl's tragic optimism. Uh, because for an athlete, uh, injuries flat out sucks. I mean, there, there's there's no way to to sugarcoat it. Injury sucks for athletes. That is what it is. But injuries are also inevitable, you know. And because the injuries are gonna come, they're gonna happen if we're pushing ourselves. If we can learn to better navigate them by developing a stronger sense of self, um, a more stable and flexible sense of self. Uh, realizing we are complex beings and that we can be whole, competent, and capable, even when we don't have the ability to do the things we love or, or the things we most identify with. Um, I think that's where we truly become adaptable and flexible, and that's where we're cultivating what Brad Stolberg would, would call a fluid sense of self and, and allow us to fully and competently practice that rugged flexibility. So, uh, I riffed a little longer than I planned with that one, but uh, hopefully uh, some of you are still with me. You know, uh, I don't know how many people listen to podcasts on Sundays. We love our Sunday podcast. We we start with Planet Money and uh, How I Built This. Uh, we love Splendid Table, uh, Hidden Brain, Reveal. Uh, but being Christmas Eve, uh, we, we maybe we'll get a few listens here, a little love. Um, and uh, if any of you uh, or anyone you're close to, if you've got any young athletes or performers in your life who could benefit from some one-on-one -on -one mindset or performance coaching, you can visit my website, beaudacious.com, where you'll find uh, different options from one-on-one -on -one sessions to monthly packages. And I'm I'm making a, a concerted effort here to free up some some more space for some regular repeat clients and sessions to kickstart 2024, the year of the Mamba, the year of Kobe. Uh, I'm also in the thick of it right now. I'm two months into my training mentoring program with Coach Mike Derner of Derner Performance uh, Coaching, one of the finest cycling coaches in the country. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really hammering it. It feels like I'm in grad school right now uh, on that Coach Derner Training Peaks grad school and I'm, I'm really excited about where my, my coaching is going right now in 2024 and as it plays out we'll keep you posted give you some updates uh, but I think that's a wrap for this one Meili Kaliki Maka and Haoli Makihiki Ho Happy Christmas Happy New Year uh, I look forward to sharing time with you all in 2024 and bringing some solid content and conversations to you and yours that will hopefully inspire uplift elevate and buoy you up as you pursue bold passion projects and audacious endeavors this coming year. Lastly, uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and the most impactful thing you can always do is to subscribe to the show on Apple or Spotify. And we'd always appreciate it if you'd write a positive review on Spotify. Spotify, um, Those five-star reviews, uh, and, and I guess it'd be on Apple where you'd write the positive review, but those five-star reviews uh, certainly are like gold when trying to find sponsors and supporters. Uh, and uh, please spread the word, share this episode or any other that resonates with family and friends. And I hope that we can just keep growing and getting stronger together. Uh, ahoy ho, my friends. I appreciate all of your love and support. Uh, until we meet again in 2024, uh, I certainly look forward to what this next year brings. Until next time, I've got nothing but love for you. Uh, head up, eyes forward, feet moving, and just keep digging deep, leaning in and staying true.